Welcome to the Cleansing Word Podcast with Pastor John of Calvary Chapel, Lake Villa. Join us as we go through the Bible as we encourage your walk with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more about Calvary Chapel, Lake Villa, visit us at ccld.org. And please share and subscribe to this podcast. Now let's hear a message from God's Word. I was thinking about thanks, and I like first use of words in the Bible. And so I was thinking, how many ways can you say thanks that's written in Scripture? So I came up with five. Thank, thanks, thankful, thankfulness, and thanksgiving. Now the thankfulness was a lawyer buttering up Felix when Paul was on trial, so I'm not going to worry about that one, and it only appeared there. So the thankfulness was to uh, Felix, the governor, over the area of Judea, Judea at that time. And so that leaves us for biblically giving thanks to God, thank, thanks, thankful, and thanksgiving. So we're going to look at the first use of each of those words. I also pull... Um, a verse of scripture from the New Testament where they are found as well. And then while looking at that, kind of mesh together the Thanksgiving story uh, of the pilgrims coming over and the things that they had went through. I began doing this several years ago, and now it seems that it's even more important to talk about this because our world that has decided to become woke but they're not really waking up. They are seemingly walking around in a nightmare in their wokeness because they're getting the account of the founding of the United States very wrong in so many areas. And uh, you have heard the 1619 Project trying to deflect the founding of the United States from the pilgrims to the first African slaves who came, but there's something that is really important that they don't really like to talk too much about in the 1619 project is the fact that the first slaves were indentured servants, as was the pilgrims. They were also indentured when they came here. Uh, both were able to, both groups were able to work off their debts and so the African slaves that came who were indentured that connect to the 1619 project, they eventually worked their, their way out of slavery just as the pilgrims worked their way out of the contract that they had that was supposed to be a seven-year deal that took some 20 years until they finally was free from a man that helped fund the trip to get him here to what was supposed to be Virginia, but they got blown off course and uh, ended up in Cape Cod. And we are going to be talking about that tonight. So this year's Thanksgiving message, we'll look at the first time these words were used, four of the words of the five that I pulled up. Thank, thanks, thankful, and thanksgiving. We're going to look at the first time they're used, they're all in the Old Testament, and then we'll also have a New Testament verse to go along with that. But between the uh, two verses, the Old Testament New Testament verse, I'll give you the context of 
what the verse is talking about, and then we'll look a little bit of the pilgrims and uh, their journey here to the Americas and what they found when they came. And so kind of connecting a bit of the pilgrim story and some of these verses, they fit perfectly. But tonight I titled this, you'll never guess the title. It has four words, thank, thanks, thankful, and thanksgiving. I guess five words because I threw an and in there. So we begin with, I thank you, God, and then we'll look at give thanks to God, be thankful to God, and a sacrifice of thanksgiving. So the first of the four words, and I'm taking all of this from the New King James Bible, so maybe you got a Bible concordance and you can, in your computer, look it up and you're using a different version, version of the Bible and you'll come up with more than what I've Found, But this is what I found based off the New King James Bible. And we begin, which kind of surprised me. I mean, the very, and it surprised me in the sense of thank, thanks, thankful and thanksgiving. Um, thanksgiving appears in Leviticus while these other ones came later in Scripture. Thank, I want to thank you, God, First Chronicles 16.4. First Chronicles 16.4. And this came about on the day that David, with all Jerusalem, brought the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem to the tent that David had prepared for it. And he gave a, a psalm, a praise of thanksgiving. And in First Chronicles 16.4 it says, And he appointed some of the... Le- some of the Levites to minister before the Ark of the Lord to commemorate, to thank, to give praise to the Lord God of Israel. So as they were bringing the Ark in, David had assigned some of the Levites. As they ministered before the Ark of the Lord, they were to thank and to praise the Lord God of Israel. And in the context of this, we find that they gave thanks to the Lord for his protection over the nation of Israel who had brought them. And this is going all the way back to Father Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, but brought them uh, from into the promised land in Canaan and then eventually going to Egypt, freeing them from Egypt and then back to the promised land again and David is wanting the people to thank the Lord for his protection over them while they went from kingdom to kingdom, whether talking about the land of Canaan or Egypt or the countries that were in between that when they were in the wilderness during those years. David's psalm was a proclamation of the good news of God's salvation, his glory, his wonders among all the people who, Declaring that Yahweh, the creator of the heavens and the earth, is above all other gods. And these truths gave Israel many reasons to thank and praise the Lord. So when we look at the pilgrims, their account begins over in England, where they were a body of believers who had realized that the Church of England really had a controlling hand over all the other churches, but also over the monarchy, over the people, 
And they were not following Scripture. They were not following the Word of God. And so they got out from underneath the Church of England and formed their own congregation. Because of that, we don't first know them as the pilgrims. When they were in England, they were the separatists. They separated from the Church of England, so they became known as the separatists. They became pilgrims when they came over here. And that's where we get the, the name of the title of that group for them. But separating out of the Church of England made it very difficult for them. And the church required them to pay assessments to the Church of England. So they're free from it, but they still had to uh, give money to the Church of England. If they refused, they were thrown into jail on trumped-up charges and they were trying to adhere to, follow to the Word of God, and they were having a difficulty doing it living in England. And so it became so difficult for them that they took asylum in Holland. And they left, and their group went to Holland first, and they realized that there in Holland that um, they were immigrants, and as immigrants, not considered part of the people of the country, they had to work 12 to 15 hour work days. That was just wearing them down. Their heart, they wanted to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to some unknown parts of the world. They eventually settled on the Americas, a place where they could do that. But also in Holland, they realized that if they continued to have to labor like that, um, and I don't know what their labor might have been, but I know when we were, when I was in the trades as a brick mason, that it is heavy labor. And often in the summertime, you're building projects and they want you to work overtime. And uh, I finally worked for a smart boss who said, look, that's fine and good. We can do it for a few weeks, but we can't keep doing it because eventually our production goes down the guys get tired. They need the rest. So we prefer eight-hour work days. And I couldn't even envision doing a 12 to 15-hour work day because basically you drop, you sleep, you wake up, and you start all over again. So they knew that too. But there was another issue at plates as well. Their children, they were worried about their children um, falling prey to the lures of Holland that they felt that if they didn't leave Holland, that they might lose their children, the generation um, that they were trying to raise up to know God and to walk in the ways of God. So they set their eyes on the Americas. And though they knew that they couldn't last long if they continued that hard work that they were doing, they thought that if they did it too long, they wouldn't have the strength to go somewhere else. But most importantly, they wanted to play a role in carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ to other nations. Now, the second time that the word thank is used is Jesus. Now, not the second time in all the Bible, but I said I'm taking it one from the Old Testament. I'm giving you the first use in the Old Testament in all these words. In the New Testament, I took a little more liberty and I looked at the context of it, and this one comes from Luke 
where in that hour Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit, the Bible tells us, and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise, the prudent, and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. God the Father and God the Son revealing the truth of the word of God um, to the people. Here Jesus giving praise that things that have been hidden from the people who really think they're something, the wise and the prudent, uh, the simple people were discovering the truths of God. Theologians like to talk about the revelation of God or Jesus Christ that in two distinct categories. They talk about general revelation, something that everyone can be a witness to, which is God's creation, the sun, the moon, the stars, uh, everything that we can see around us. And even uh, in science today, they're discovering things. It's still part of God's general revelation. They may have to use a microscope to do it, but they're discovering things about God's creative role in this world. And then there's special revelation that speaks about the Word of God speaking a prophetic word through Individuals, or today we have the Bible. This is special revelation that God gave to us to those who come to Him in life saving faith to get a deeper relationship with the Lord. And Jesus, He says, I thank you, Father, that these are learning of the things of God. And so this revelation doesn't often come to the wise and prudent, but to the babes, to the ones who maybe don't have as much sense as others might believe in this world, but they have a God sense. And they come to know Jesus, and they discover that they are highly favored in the sight of God. So seeing God has revealed himself to us through faith in Jesus Christ, it gives us reason to thank and praise the Lord. So our second word is thanks. It's found in 2 Samuel 22, verse 50. And this is the first use of this word in the Old Testament. And this is a psalm. It's also uh, recorded for us in Psalm 18, almost word for word of what's found in 2 Samuel 22. But the verse that has the word Thanks in it is Second Samuel twenty two fifty. It says, Therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles, and sing praises to your name. So I will give thanks. This is David, a Psalm of David. It's Psalm eighteen. It's also found in Second Samuel twenty two. They're almost identical. Uh, just a few words maybe changed here or there. But the psalm is a declaration of David's love for God, and he gives several reasons why he loved God. In the introduction, the psalm tells us that David spoke the words of this psalm on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And so this psalm speaks about God's miraculous deliverance of David by using and, you know, we need to remember that when David was, from the time he was anointed to be the next king in Israel, 
Israel already had a king. And if you kind of calculate the numbers, he was on the run for about a period of 17 years. And so a lot happened during that time. And David saw God deliver him in many miraculous ways. He talks about earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, storms, great thunders and lightnings, torrential rains that scattered his strong enemies. And you think, volcanic eruptions? Israel? It's like, yeah. In northern Israel, one of the things that surprised me uh, when Lily and I and a few others from the church were able to visit there was all the large rock that had been spewed over northern Israel in the Galilee area that came from some volcanic eruption. If they want to plow a field, they first have to move a lot of rock, and it's not like the field stone here in northern Illinois. Uh, they have to move a lot of rock because it came from this volcanic eruption and Apparently, David even witnessed these things, talking about the great power of God through his creation being used to help David have victory over his strong enemy. There were times when David felt that the pangs of death had surrounded him, encompassed him. And sometimes maybe we feel that way as well. And like David, we can cry out to the only one who can save, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He not only saves the humble who call upon his holy name, but he strengthens their hand for the, for the battle, for the work ahead, seeing that his ways are perfect, his word is proven. We should let Jesus become that shield, that rock of our defense, that he might strengthen and enlarge our work before us and this is something the pilgrims also would be learning in their journey as i'd mentioned the distresses of holland was really wearing them down and wearing at their children they knew that they had to do something something had to change and their pastor john robinson praying to the lord about this he felt that he received a revelation from the Lord, and this is what he wrote, a portion of it at least. He said, God was calling them to a new Jerusalem to build a new temple with themselves as the stones. Just as the people of God of old were called from Babylon to rebuild the Lord's temple, so are the people of God now to go out of Babylon spiritual to Jerusalem to build themselves as lively stones into a spiritual house or temple for the Lord to dwell in. And so they, they saw that we are the stones and we are going to leave the spiritual Babylon, which was referring to Holland at that time, to go and build a new spiritual house with us being the stones for the Lord to dwell so they sold as much as they could, gathered all their funds together. They still didn't have enough to be able to make the trip to America. And this was originally, it was uh, the first party was supposed to be, it ended up being 102, but it was supposed to be 120 in that first group. And they originally had two ships, but ended up downsizing to the one, 
which gives us the smaller number. But they caused them to sign uh, an agreement with Thomas Weston. And uh, they were indentured to him for seven years. It actually took, as I said earlier, over 20 years for them to be totally free from that contract that they made with them. But initially, only a third of their congregation was able to go and come to the Americas. And though they had purchased two trips, ships for the journey, the Speedwell and the Mayflower, the Speedwell, uh, every time they put to sea with it, they were packed up, they were beginning the trip, and she leaked at her seams. And twice they turned around and they tried to resolve the issue, and twice it leaked. So they decided that God wanted them to downsize, to get into the one ship going from 120 to 102. And William Bradford, part of that first party, saw even the downsizing as the work of God. He recorded in his diary, and thus, like Gideon's army, the small number was divided as if the Lord, by his work of his providence, thought these few too many for the great work that he had to do. And so they downsized into the Mayflower. And they left September 6, 1620 and dropped anchor in a natural harbor near the tip of Cape Cod, Massachusetts. I've never said that word well. On November 11, 1620, Lily just smiled at me. She knew. He's going to say it, isn't he? I'm just going to try. <laughs> so 102 pilgrims, uh, according to the uh, book that I read about this, said that they were crammed into the space of a volleyball court. 66-day journey, and the weather was horrific, so the sailors didn't allow them to come up on deck for their own safety as one of the pilgrims discovered uh, when he attempted to go on deck and went overboard because of the storm. He said one moment the ship was there and the next moment it wasn't. And he was in that cold sea of the Atlantic. But they were crammed into that area of a size of a volleyball court. I can't even imagine that because that's a pretty small area. And it was a stormy sea. I can't envision that as well because... You know what happens in seas, some people, me being one of them, you get sick when it's a stormy sea, when you got big waves, and you know what happens when you get sick, things come out and it doesn't smell too good, and they had all that going on, and they had the anger, the emotions, everything going on, but one thing that historians look back at the time and believe that helped them in their situation is that the Mayflower had been a wine vessel and her timbers had been soaked with spilt wine, which is kind of cleanse the atmosphere for them to help them uh, do so well at that time. So 66 days later, they're at Cape Cod. They set anchor on November 11th, 1620. And they had tried, and the storms, again, playing into this, they had tried, and they were supposed to go to Virginia. You read about Virginia, and uh, 
It was horrible what took place in Virginia, and that's where the 1619 Project uh, gets their landing and all that. But there was a 50% death rate going on for those who came over to Virginia Territory. And uh, they didn't, the stormy weather kept driving them northward. And finally, again, they felt that maybe God doesn't want us to go down to Virginia. And so they ended up Cape Cod on November 11th, 1620. But they didn't go to the Virginia Territory. There would have been already a, a settlement there that they would have been going to. Because there was no planned settlement, they drafted a document and be, formed their own civil governments. And part of that document was used in the sense of kind of a founding or forming of the Declaration of Independence over a hundred years plus years later, of course. But the beginning of the document reads like this. In the name of God, amen. We whose names are underwritten, the loyal subjects of our dread sovereign Lord King James, having undertaken for the glory of God the advancement of the Christian faith and honor of our king and country, a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia, do by these present solemnly and mutually in the presence of God and one another covenant and combine ourselves together into a civil body politic for the better ordering and perseverance, no, that's wrong, preserving and furthering of the in foresaid. So that's enough of that. Um, They put this together that they, they actually, I was thinking while I was reading, I shouldn't do that. Don't think while you read. But um, they actually um, had more of a Marxist-type government in the beginning. And everything, everybody worked for the same pot. And they would discover that not everybody worked the same for the same pot. Some people were naturally unwilling to work hard. And others... Though they may be willing to work hard, they don't feel that they should work hard for someone else when they don't get to benefit out of it. Out of it. And so eventually they figured that out. And it took them a few years, but they figured that out and allowed people to begin to earn their own keep. Um, still providing for the community, but again, to have a portion of it for themselves. And that changed everything for them. So, New Testament, I picked the word thanks from 1 Corinthians 11.24. And this is Paul talking about communion. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So the pilgrims had many reasons to give thanks to the Lord. He had brought them through many hardships during their 66-day journey across the Atlantic. I remember learning about this in grade school when I was a child. I don't think they even teach any of this in school today. I could be wrong, but I remember... um, 
the cracked beam and how they were able to repair it. They went through a lot and they dealt with, they remember they were crammed in this small space. And if you've ever been below deck an old ship, we were able to visit one of the old ships um, off of Boston and walk through the decks. Uh, the sleeping quarters aren't, it's not a yacht and uh, it's pretty tight down there. And plus they had all their stuff, right? They, they just wasn't their bodies. They were carrying, they were carrying provision and equipment um, plus all their stuff. But they also dealt with anger and self-pity and bitterness and jealousy and despair. By God's grace, they were knit together as one, and God brought them through. And may it be that we would give thanks to the Lord, who has sent his Son to be our sacrifice, and may it be that the Lord would also knit our hearts together as one. So to thank and thanks, now thankful, be thankful to God. First use, Psalm 100, verse 4. And this one actually has, I couldn't get away from it because it's the first use, so I had to use this verse. But it also says Thanksgiving, so you get two for one on this one. But I'm going for the thankful side of this. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. So this psalm is only five verses long, very short psalm, calling for thanksgiving and praise to be thankful to the Lord, to bless his name for three specific things, attributes of God, that the Lord is good, that his mercy is everlasting, and that his truth endures to all generations. So the three specific things, this short five-verse psalm, Talking about the attributes of God, God's mercy is good, or God is good, his mercy is everlasting, his truth endures to all generations. And the pilgrims would also learn to be thankful to God as they dealt through the hardships of living in the new land. On the mainland, they found a perfect place to settle. There was kind of a natural harbor that they were able to bring they eventually would bring the uh, Mayflower into this area for the winter as it would stay through the winter to kind of help them through this first winter there. But they found this land of 20 acres that had already been cleared. It had already been worked, but for some unknown reason, it had been abandoned. And it also had their words the sweetest tasting water that they had ever had for uh, springs nearby. So it had water, it had acreage that was already cleared, and it was a place that they would begin to build, build and begin their settlement. And the pilgrims, as I said, they asked Captain Jones to stay on through the winter, which he agreed to do, but still that first winter... Um, cost them 47 lives. Remember, 102 began the journey. On the first day that the men went out to land, to explore the land, one of the wives jumped overboard. It is believed that she took her own life. So uh, although all 102 made it across, 
before they even all stepped ashore, one would take her own life. And then through that hard winter, 47 lives would be lost. During that first winter, they lost 13 of 18 wives, having only three families that remained intact. Children fared better than they all did. Seven daughters, of seven daughters, none died. Only three boys were lost of the original 13, and it left them as a young colony of pilgrims. And they built houses, usually consisting of two rooms, uh, consisting of a, a center, central fireplace and a loft for sleeping. And then they built a blockhouse that was for uh, defense, but also was their church where William Brewster, who was their pastor at that time because uh, their original pastor stayed with the larger congregation back in Holland, William Brewster, it's written of him that he preached both powerfully and profitably to the great contentment of the hearers and their comfortable edification. Yea, many were brought to God by his ministry. In mid-March 1621, they heard the cry, Indian coming. And when they looked up, expecting to see many Indians, there was only one. His name was Samoset. His name means he who walks over much. And it was Samoset who broke the silence by saying, Welcome! And to their shock that he spoke English, but then he asked, Got any beer? Which again shocked them. And they were out of beer, but they gave him some brandy, some biscuits, some butter, some cheese, some pudding, some roast duck, and they were amazed that he enjoyed the English food. And they were also amazed by his flawless English himself as he spoke to them. He loved to travel. He taught them that, told them that he used to catch rides up and down the coast with some of the ships that were fishing in that area. And so he had learned the language and loved to travel. He introduced them to the Wampangos, their nearest neighbor, and the chief of that of Massasoit. And he spent, Samuel said, spending eight months with them because he had been taken in by Massasoit and their warriors. And so he returned, though, on the following Thursday with the last remaining, and it really uncovered the mystery of the land that they were living on, the Patsat, I can't say these Indian names, um, so what happened, Squanto was part of this tribe that he had been captured in 1605 and taken to England. He spent nine years, returned back to his home in America in 1614 to be recaptured and sold as a slave. And there in England again, he was rescued by local friars, introduced to Christianity, brought, found his way back to America. And when he came back, he discovered that only six months before the pilgrims arrived, he arrived. And to his shock, he found that his tribe, every man, woman, and child had died of some unknown disease. 
plague that they had. And because of that, all of the other Indians stayed away from the area. So that's why it was abandoned. And Squanto actually found purpose in living with the pilgrims. He taught them how to plant, how to hunt, how to fish. And they no doubt knew how to do many of these things back in Holland and England, but, you know, it was a new land. And so he taught them the ways of this new land. He was able to help with the process of Massasoit. They formed a treaty that would last for 40 years. And though Squanto would die of Indian fever in the next year, in 1622, before he died, he begged the governor to pray for him that he might go to the Englishman's heaven. Well, they were blessed a lot by Squanto and his help to them, as we'll look at in our final point. But before we get to that, New Testament, being thankful, Colossians 3.15, and let the God of peace rule over your hearts, to which you are also called in one body, and be thankful. So Paul encouraging us here to put the peace of God in our hearts, and it's without Jesus Christ, we can't truly know the peace of God that comes by way of the grace of God and the sending of His Son, that we can become part of the body of Christ. And so we are to be thankful. And this Thanksgiving, may we be thankful to Jesus. Bless His holy name. Seeing that He has saved us, He has made us part of the body of Christ. And He draws us together to know Him and to celebrate His great gifts and His great salvation. So the last word, Thanksgiving. It actually first appears in Leviticus with the Thanksgiving sacrifices, Leviticus 7, 12, and also verse 20, Leviticus 22, verse 29. And I, I put both of these together because Leviticus 7, 12 says, He offers it for a Thanksgiving, then He shall offer it with the sacrifice of Thanksgiving. And here we need to know a sacrifice of thanksgiving. I put Leviticus 22:29 with this because when you offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving to the Lord, offer it of your own free will. So it's something that you have to want to do. And offering a sacrifice of thanksgiving, it's of your own free will. And these thanksgiving offerings were offered with three types of bread, cakes, wafers, uh, that with oil and that with leaven, leaven bread as well. And the priest would take a portion, but the people would get a portion. They would get the leavened bread. They could sit and eat with family and friends there at the tabernacle or temple of the Lord. In this offering of thanksgiving, they got to basically commune with the Lord, with their family and friends before the house of the Lord. And this offering reminds us of the Lord's desire to commune with us, to be part of the body of Christ where we can worship the Lord and commune with one another, but before the Lord that we come together because of the work of Jesus and his body and blood that he sacrificed for us. So that first summer they had a bountiful provisions. And so in the fall of 16. 
21, they, in their gratitude towards Squanto, the Wempangos, and especially toward God, they declared a day of public thanksgiving. They invited Massasoit to come to the feast. Massasoit showed up early. He came with 90 braves as well. And so they thought, and it brought their numbers. I mean, they were just totally outnumbered. Brought their numbers to a total of 140 at this time. And they knew that the feast would cut heavy into their winter supplies, but they had learned to trust God. And so they, for three days, they had this Thanksgiving feasting going on. It did help that the Indians brought five dressed deer and more than a dozen fat wild turkeys. There were only four women who, women who had survived that first winter, and so the Indians helped, everyone helped to prepare the food, but the Indians taught them how to make hoe cakes, pudding out of cornmeal, maple syrup. We still love the maple syrup today. And also they taught them about popcorn. I just came across some popcorn in my basement that I'd grown a few years ago, still on the cob. I'm thinking I'm going to have to see if it still works. But Edward Winslow wrote about this first Thanksgiving, his words. He said, our harvest being gotten in, our governor sent four men on a fowling. So they went out to get some birds so that we might have a special manner rejoice together after we had gathered the fruit of our labors. They four in one day killed as much fowl as, with a little help besides, served the company almost a week, at which time, amongst other recreations, we exercised our arms, many of the Indians coming among us, and among the rest of their greater king, Massasoit, with some ninety men, whom for three days we entertained and feasted, and they went out and killed five deer and brought them to the plantation and dis bestowed on our governor and upon the captain and others. And although it will not always be so plentiful as it was at that time with us, yet by God's goodness, we are so far from want that we have often wished you partakers of our plenty. So obviously a letter that he had written back to family or church that was left in Holland at that time. The climax of the feast was William Brewster's prayer, thanking God for the provision, providing for their needs, even when they were weak in faith, and the friendships that they had formed with the Indians that some would last for a lifetime, and the new land that they had been given to grow and to multiply in. Then, November in the month of November, 35 more members arrived from England. They came and did not bring any provisions with them. So this time they just showed up. And by the end of that second winter, they had to cut their daily rations down to five kernels of corn apiece. And yet no one died of starvation that winter, and God saw them through. A few years later, they went through a dry spell. It was so bad that they gathered for a day of prayer and humiliation and fasting. 
And they prayed, and the Lord sent a rain that uh, came down their words. On the next morning distilled such soft and sweet and moderate showers of rain, continuing some 14 days, and mixed with such seasonable weather that it was hard to say whether the withered corn or our drooping affections were most quickened and revived. Such was the bounty and goodness of our God. So that fall, with this time 120 braves, with venison and turkey and many other treats, when they sat down to that Thanksgiving meal on that fall, on each plate was five kernels of corn to remind them of the blessings that God had brought them through. In the New Testament, we find giving thanksgiving in 2 Corinthians 4.15, For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. So the same spirit of faith that's found in the Old Testament saints, that's found with Jesus when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, that Paul caused his missionary team to spread the gospel out, that they might give thanksgiving that might abound to the glory of God. May it be that we would have that spirit, I think a spirit that lived in the pilgrims as well, may it live in us in this day, that we would learn to remember to thank, to thanks, to be thankful and to give thanksgiving to God for the great blessings that he has bestowed upon us. May we especially remember these things tomorrow as we celebrate with our friends and family. Father, we thank you for this evening, for this word, and as we take a moment to close out in one final song and to share in some Thanksgiving-type desserts, I pray, Lord, just bless us as we gather together, Lord. Tonight, two churches represented here, and so I pray, Father, that you would bless um, each church. And those who are watching, perhaps online live, or maybe they're going to see this at another time, they're representing churches um, in different parts of our country, sometimes in different parts of our world. We pray your blessing, Lord, be upon us all. Help us to be willing to thank you, to give thanks, to be thankful, and to have a spirit of thanksgiving. And Lord, I pray that you would bring unity of spirit in your church in these last days. Help us, Lord, be filled with your spirit for the work that you've called us to. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.